Stupid lawyer and legislator tricks started our day in a handbasket, then we moved quickly into the explosive response to the projected change in Roe versus Wade and the fact that uh, we are at the end of civility. In fact, that's the headline today at BillMick.com. Hopefully we get back to a little more civil in this hour as Dave Bowman joins us for Dave Does History. Links for you at BillMick.com. Also on the WMMB, Bill Mick Live, and my personal Facebook pages. So you can check Dave out there and uh, see what we're into today. Glad you're along for hour number three as Gatto's Tire and Auto Service makes the hour possible. You want in as we get to parts of the conversation where we can take your thoughts. 321-768-1240. And if you don't have the patience to wait for us getting to the phones, you can always use the talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. Just tap that microphone on the screen. Gives you 30 seconds of your say, and it'll send it to us via the magic of the internet, which is also how we talk to Dave Bowman. Let's say good morning there. Hey, Dave, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Bill. I'm good. You want civil? You want civil? <laughs> well, civil as long as we're not talking our differences in Star Trek, okay? <laughs> you you have shunned much of the canon because it didn't meet your exacting standards of 1966 technology. So, yeah. This is true. This is true. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty firm about that. But you know what they I'm say. I'm excited bro. about Strange New Worlds, though. I, I think it's got a chance to return the franchise to where it belongs. I certainly hope so, but they're going to have to make some changes to do that. There's an old saying, Bill, that goes like this. Tempora mutantor. And you've probably you've heard this phrase in English. In fact, uh, translates to Hakuna Matata, right? Right. Bob Dylan wrote a song about it called "You Know the Times They Are a Changing." We we mm-hmm. we interpret the phrase as times change and we change with them, which is incorrect. The actual translation is times change and we are changed by them. That is, makes more sense, does it not? It, it does make more sense, and it's it's certainly true as you watch history. Um, that's, that, I, I say this all the time. The worst mistake a historian can make is to judge history by his own, his or her own, you know, cultural values and, and the likes of that. When you look at stuff in the past from today, it's easy to go, well, those people were just stupid or they were wrong or whatever, but we weren't there. And that makes some of these things a little more difficult, especially when you're talking about legal things. And court decisions and court rulings that have affected people from long ago and still right down to today. And and while the times change and we may be changed by them, sometimes the court doesn't catch up quite as quickly. Good example of this is the the recent arguments in the court over technological issues. So you Mm -hmm. got a bunch of old people that, that literally don't know anything about technology trying to rule on cases about, you know, privacy, internet privacy and the like. And they really don't even grasp the technology behind it, which means that they haven't been changed by the times yet. So how long will it take them to catch up on those sorts of things? And that's, 
it's really interesting because the court got to wait for the millennials to get on the court. Well, please say no. I don't think you do because this is why you have clerks. It's why you have you know staff people to kind of help you along in some of this stuff um, until they start leaking. Yeah, well, that's happened before. You know, in 1973, the original Roe v. Wade decision was actually leaked before it was out as well. So it was printed in Time magazine the day before it it, it, it was, was released. floated for a, a taste of public opinion or something? No, it was uh, in those days. Again, times change and we are changed by them. In those days, you could do an unattributable off the record, you know, behind the scenes interview with the media. And they would respect that. And what ended up happening was that the article wasn't supposed to run until after it had been released. But then the chief justice delayed the release because of Nixon's uh, inauguration, his second inauguration. So they didn't want to compete with the, the inauguration. They didn't want to put a damper on anything. So they delayed it two days. And then the Time magazine came out and they went, whoops. And the guy who did it was a law clerk. Uh, he, he owned up to it real quick, fessed up to it. Yeah, I did, I, I did what we all do. And the chief justice went, okay, don't do it again. Slap on the wrist and on we went. Mm-hmm. So you think it's being stronger than that this time if they find this uh, leaker? I personally do not. Uh, I personally believe that these are lawyers. They know where the line is and they went right up to the line and they didn't cross the line because it's technically not a crime to do this. So, okay, I'm talking about the crime part, but what about? the violating the expected sanctity of the deliberations and not releasing that ahead of the court's schedule. If this was about some meaningless case between Texas and New Mexico about water or something, maybe, but because this is such a hot button issue, you know that half the country already worships this person, whoever they are that did this. Oh yeah. There's a job at CNN waiting. Yeah. So even if he gets, he or she gets, quote unquote, fired, they're going to get promoted. They got a book deal already. Um, and I'm sure that the, the, the papers and everybody knows who it is. They're just not saying yet. So, no, I don't think anything bad's going to happen to them at all. Interesting thought. Well, let's get into these reversals or lack thereof and a little bit of history of that. As Dave does history on Bill McLive, we're back in 60 seconds on 92.7 FM WMMB. Dave Bowman hosts Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast, and every Tuesday in our 8 o'clock hour, Dave does history on Bill McLive. Dave, where are we at today? In November of 1941, basically a month before the attack at Pearl Harbor, the War Department handed the president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a report. And the report was, it dealt with the idea that Japanese spies in America could cause a great deal of damage via sabotage and that sort of thing. And there was a lot of concern about this. And the bigger concern was because at the time, now again, remember times change, but at the time there was a great deal of anti-Japanese, let's just call it what it was, racism in the United States at the time. And there was a belief that it didn't matter if someone was a second, third, fourth, fifth generation American citizen, if they were of Japanese descent, when push came to shove, they would be loyal to Japan. And so the War Department was deeply concerned about all these Japanese Americans who might, might, we don't have any proof of this, but they might, you know, get out of hand if if, when the war comes between us and Japan. When it finally did come, 
December 7, 1941, there was a little-known incident that happened on the island of Niihau. Now, Niihau is a small private island in the Hawaiian Islands, and the Japanese task force had designated the island as a rescue point for any pilot that would have to bail out. Go to Niihau, and we'll pick you up there. Only one plane from the Japanese attackers actually crash-landed on Niihau, and the pilot was, he was okay, he got out. And the local residents of the island, some of whom were of Japanese you know, ancestry, in fact, they had come from Japan, decided, there were two of them that decided to, quote-unquote, help the pilot, unquote. And in one of the most bizarre incidents that's so little known to us, the, they actually took over the island, the three of them, you know, basically rounded up all the native Hawaiians and locked them up and said, you're our prisoner. One of the Hawaiians was this huge guy who wasn't having this. He actually picked up the pilot, physically picked him up and smashed his head into a wall and killed him. So the, the two Japanese gardeners were arrested and sent to prison. And this actually reinforced in the idea of the Roosevelt administration that all Japanese persons of ancestry, of Japanese ancestry, were potential traitors. And so the, the Roosevelt administration sent out Executive Order 9066, which is a confused hodgepodge of conflicting executive orders to Japanese Americans in the, on the West Coast of the United States. Included in the orders was one order that said, you must stay home. You cannot go out. There was also an order that said, you must leave. You can't stay in your home. You have to leave. And there was a third order that established a military exclusion area that basically consisted of Washington State, Oregon State, and California, in which they said no Japanese ancestry allowed, period. If you, if you have any Japanese blood in you at all, you cannot be in these states. So move to the interior United States? That was the theory, except that there's one order that says you can't leave your home. And there's another <laughs> that says you must leave your home, but you can't go here. And so this so is how. a typical government thing. I got you. Right. So they ended up building the so-called internment camps, things like Manzanar. Uh, there was a camp in Utah. Th these were basically, uh, depending on your political view, these were basically concentration camps for American citizens. Keep in mind that most of the Japanese descent ancestry people here we're talking about are second and third generation Americans. They're not Japanese citizens. They're American citizens. But because they have Japanese ancestry and because of what happened on Niihau and because the War Department thinks they might be dangerous, we're going to treat them as dangerous and we're just going to round them up and send them somewhere else. Except for one guy, a guy by the name of Fred Korematsu. Fred Korematsu. And when we come back, we're going to dig into his story, and it starts us on these supreme reversal ideas with Dave Bowman on Bill McLaughlin. Hi, this is Justine, bringing you late night talk for those that go to bed early. Listen to my podcast, What's Justine Thinking, every Wednesday and Friday on Anchor and Spotify. Gatto's Tire and Auto Service bringing you hour three of a Tuesday morning on Bill Mick Live. 
Dave Bowman with us as Dave does history from Silverdale, Washington this morning. As Well, every morning he's with us. He's from Silverdale, Washington. Spacelaunchschedule.com brings us our launch coverage page at BillMick.com. You go to the on-demand menu, select Space Launch Coverage, and thank you to Spacelaunchschedule.com, the most accurate and up-to-date schedule, not just from here on the Space Coast, but from launches around the globe. We're talking... uh, Supreme Court decisions that are or aren't overturned, and Dave's laying out the uh, Fred Korematsu case back in 1941. Dave, reset it, and let's see what happened here. Well, the case actually started in 1941 with the exclusion order, Executive Order 9066 from from the Roosevelt administration, but the case actually doesn't really get going until about 1943, and it isn't actually ruled on until 1944. Fred Korematsu is a Japanese-descended American. He is born in America. He is an American. And so he looks at these executive orders that say you can't leave your house, you got to leave California, you got to do this, and says, why? I'm an American citizen. I don't have to do this stuff. Plus, he has a girlfriend, and he doesn't, she's non-Japanese, by the way, and he doesn't want to leave her because, as it turns out, you know, he's a little unsure about how this relationship is working out. So he actually decides to stay. He will go to a plastic surgeon and pay a plastic surgeon to try and change his features a bit so that he looks less Japanese. It doesn't work. The, uh, the, the surgeon takes his money and doesn't do the surgery. There's a whole bunch of things that he tries to do. But ultimately, he is arrested, he's charged, and he's convicted under the laws of that day. And he is sentenced to prison because he's Japanese-American and he didn't leave. You could argue that he was... there's no indication he's involved in any illicit activity, spying, anything like that. None of that's in play at all. It's just because he violated this executive order, which wasn't a law, right? Well... That's the question. Is it a law uh-huh. or not? And to this day, there is zero evidence that any Japanese American ever committed any act of espionage or sabotage during the Second World War. None. So it, it's a little, and, you know, again, times change. In the 1940s, 1930s, and 1940s, this Amer- America was very much anti-Japanese. It was palpable, the Japanese racism that existed in America. So when he's jailed and convicted, the, he appeals the case. It goes all the way to the United States Supreme Court, which you would think would look at this and go, um, you know, really, we have this Constitution thing, and you can't send people to prison for being descended from Japanese ancestry, because then what's next? I mean, during the First World War, we didn't send people who were German ancestry to jail just for being German. Nor did we tell them that they couldn't leave their homes and they had to go to internment camps. Why are we doing it now? So you'd think they'd all look at this and go, well, that's just stupid. Besides, by this point, it's late 1944. The war is going very much in the Allies' way. It's pretty clear that there is no sabotage or espionage or anything like that. So you'd think the Supreme Court would look at this and go, yeah, that's just stupid. But... It's the United States Supreme Court, so you can kind of guess what happened. They did what the president wanted. It even wasn't really the president as much as it was, Bill, the military. 
which is really kind of disturbing in a way. If you think about it, it was the military that was really pushing for this. And the Supreme Court actually rules in this case that, yeah, it seems a little odd, but it's wartime and the military really thinks this is a good idea. And we're just judges. Who are we to decide that the military doesn't know what it's talking about? So a national security excuse. Bingo. Before they knew the term national security. So they mm-hmm. say, man, Korematsu guilty. We uphold. He's guilty of being Japanese American and not doing what we told him to do. So we uphold his conviction. Any and blowback at the time that you're aware of? There was some blowback, but it's wartime, Bill. And while we weren't there, so times change, we're changed by the times. Sometimes when, you know, things are going on, things make sense to the people that are there that don't make sense to anybody later on. And this is what I say. It's a mistake to judge past times by our own, you know, conditions. Doesn't mean we shouldn't learn something from it, but... I think we have to cancel people when we when we look back on things. I think that's where we need to go. Well, funny, side of this. funny you should say that because today pretty much everybody thinks that this was one of the worst rulings ever made by the Supreme Court. But we'll dig into that in just moments as Gatto's Tire and Auto Service brings you this hour of our program. You know, Dave knows very well I'm not a mechanical guy at all. When I was in California, we were working together, had multiple times where the vehicle was an issue, and Dave was my ride. Well, I don't have that issue anymore. Why? Because Gatto's takes care of my vehicle. Six locations around the county and convenient for you, and in their Cocoa location, they can handle the big vehicles, the SUVs, the RVs, that type of thing, and even commercial vehicles for alignments, which, by the way, right now, $15 off of those. And um, $10 off your air conditioning checks, which if you were around yesterday or day before, you're going to need that done pretty soon. And $150 rebate, $150 rebates on Goodyear tires. Gatto's, 50-plus years in this community, three generations providing maintenance, repairs, tires for your vehicle. I've come to trust them because I've used them for all these years. You will, too. For me, for you, you got to go to Gatto's. So this ruling, having been declared, at least thought of as one of the worst in Supreme Court history, Dave, what happens and, and why? Why do we, so why do think, we look at this? You'd think as time goes by, you'd, you'd think you'd, the Supreme Court would look at this and go, because again, today, everybody thinks that this is just the stupidest thing they've ever heard of. You can't send people to prison for being of Japanese ancestry. You just can't do that. You shouldn't do that. But oddly enough, this case has never been overturned. Supreme Court has never revisited it. They've ne- the closest they've come Does is a- have, have a case to revisit it, or can they on their own say we got to take a look at this? Well, that's the that's a good question because they tried a couple of years ago. There was a case Trump v. Hawaii. Hawaii sued the Trump administration for its uh, travel ban, and they tried really hard to go back to Korematsu with this so that they could overturn it. But it just didn't really fit because we weren't talking about American citizens. So in his ruling, Trump v. Hawaii, Chief Justice Roberts basically called the Korematsu's ruling the worst decision ever made by the Supreme Court. It's not, but, but, but it's among the worst. And nobody would seriously allow this today, but we can't reverse it because this case doesn't. So technically, Korematsu is still, quote unquote, the law of the land, unquote. 
which means that if the military today decided that they wanted to have internment camps for American citizens, at least President Stary Dasis would, uh, would support that. Now, I'm not stupid enough to think that they would actually pull that off. What would it take to actually reverse this case? Well, you'd need an actual case. You'd need, you'd need someone who says, I'm being imprisoned because of my, my racial ancestry. You could pass a law. This is the surprising thing to me. Uh, this case was decided in 1944. It's now 2022. Congress has still not passed a law saying the military is not allowed to inter people because of their ancestry. Or you could do a constitutional amendment and actually change the Constitution so that they can't do that. This is what happened uh, in the 1860s with the Dred Scott case, which was probably the worst decision the Supreme Court ever made, which mm -hmm. said that African Americans could never be citizens and slavery was just fine and dandy. In fact, Mike Huckabee in 2015, if you remember the Kentucky marriage license fiasco, claimed yes. that this was still a law of the land because it had never been overturned. Well, it had been because of the constitutional amendment, the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments, but Mike Huckabee wasn't smart enough to, to realize that. And we'll be back with more with Dave Bowman. Dave does history overturned or those that aren't Supreme Court decisions and the impact today. Stay with us. Hey, this is Whitey. And this is Hank. And you can listen to our podcast, Two Pine Talk, on all your favorite podcast sources. So come check it out where we talk about two beers and, and everything stuff. <laughs> listen to Two Pint Talk on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gatto's Tire and Auto Service making the hour possible. Glad you're with us as we close a Tuesday with Dave Does History on Bill McLive. 321-768-1240. Let you jump into the conversation. We will have a call of the day. Yesterday, it was uh, Jim in Satellite Beach as we talked about 2,000 mules and the uh, well-done presentation that it was. Question is, what happens afterwards? It, it switched Jim's position on this as it basically did... Um, Prager, I forget his first name now. Anyway, Dave Bowman with us as we talk. Dave does history, and we're looking, Dave, at Supreme Court decisions that either were or were not reversed by the court, and you were on Dred Scott. Let's get that one put together here. So the Dred Scott case came out of an escaped slave in the 1850s, and the Taney Court ruled in this case, and, and it's universally reviled as the worst decision by the Supreme Court, that African Americans could never be citizens of the United States. And that conversely, slavery was just fine and dandy. It's a terrible case. It's a terrible ruling. But it also was never technically overturned by the court because it was replaced by the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which is what I'm saying about how do you correct a bad Supreme Court decision. Remember that the 11th Amendment of the United States Constitution came about specifically because during the ratification process, the, the framers kept saying to everybody, no, this is what the the court is supposed to be. This is what it's going to be. This is what its jurisdiction is. And the second or third decision that they made was like, no, we've decided it's this. And so the Congress said, no, 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 no. The state said, no, 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 no. We passed the 11th Amendment and almost immediately ratified it to say to the court, hitherto shalt thou come and no further. 
So this is how you deal with it. You deal with it with legislative action, which still could be overturned by the court, or you deal with it with a constitutional amendment, or you get an actual case to overturn it. With Dred Mm -hmm. Scott, there never was a case. What we had, you know, you keep talking about civility. What we had was a civil war, and that pretty much decided the Dred Scott case. In the Korematsu case, it's never been overturned. Justices keep writing about how bad it was, and they repudiate it, and they find it repugnant, and they hate it, and they wouldn't decide a case that way today. But what are the chances of the military deciding today that it's going to inter people for racial backgrounds and generating another case? Didn't we have people calling for that uh, on September 12th, 2001? Yeah, we kind of did. And there are those who argue that Mr. Trump did the same thing with with his travel ban. But it's just not quite the same thing, and so it's still technically the law of the land, which drives people up the wall. Now, you'll be happy to know that the courts in, I think it was 2008, officially overturned Mr. Korematsu's conviction, and we paid him a good deal of money and, and, and settled that case. But technically, it's never been overturned, which comes back to this thing that I keep saying, which is that there's no such thing as settled law. We know that Korematsu would be overturned if there ever was a case that went to the Supreme Court. We know that with certainty it would be overturned I 9-0. Your take on your podcast last week on this was very, very good. Folks should catch it at the DaveBowmanShow.com. I appreciate that. But there are other cases. Um, there was a case out of Washington State, my state, called West Coast Hotels, where the state established a minimum wage for women back in the early part of the 20th century. And the 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 courts struck that down saying no you can't have minimum wage for women because then these businesses would have to pay women more money and we don't want to have to do that well the court a year later reversed itself said no you you, you should have to pay women you know a, a living wage as it were back then we've had cases uh, there was a case out of West Virginia bill called Minersville School District in which the court ruled that it was just fine and dandy for the schools to say to every student in the classroom, you must stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. You must put your hand over your heart, and you must say those words. And if you don't, we can punish you. We can expel you. We can sanction you somehow or another. And a couple of years later, the court said, yeah, that's not, really, that's not really what we're all about, freedom of speech, you know, those sorts of things. We mm-hmm. really can't make people stand for the pledge. We've had... One of the wor- uh, again, one of the one of the worst decisions. I think somebody referenced this last hour. Plessy v. Ferguson was this idea that racial discrimination in the United States was just fine and dandy, separate but equal. You know, as long as everything's equal, you can separate the races, and we're cool with that. The court said, and of course, years later in Brown versus Board of Education, you want to talk about a a convoluted mess in the Supreme Court. Uh, they overturned Plessy versus Ferguson, said, no, you can't discriminate based on race. That case, the interior workings of the Supreme Court were laid bare in that one because there was a judge, uh, I'm thinking it was Frankfurter, but don't quote me on that, who was against that. So it was an eight-to-one ruling. But the chief justice wanted it to be unanimous because the country needed it to be unanimous. And he kept holding on to the decision, holding on to the decision, trying to get Frankfurter to change his mind, and he wouldn't. And he finally just died. And so as soon as he died, they released the decision at 8 nothing, and it went, okay, we're good to go. And, and I it thought was, justices died, they pocketed the case, and it never if, came out. If it's not a deciding vote. If it's a deciding vote, like a 5-4 sharply written, 
sharply divided, uh-huh. then it goes away. But if it's not, interesting. So he died, and the chief justice released it as a unanimous decision in Brown versus Board of Education. <laughs> And we've got more of these to dig into and your phone calls when we continue. In 60 seconds, Dave does history on Bill McLive. If you missed any of this hour or anything we've done all day long, the podcast section at BillMick.com and the Bill McLive iHeartRadio channel. Dave, let's get some calls in before we tackle more cases. We go to Mario in Cape Canaveral. Mario, good morning. Good morning. Yes, as you were speaking, a couple of things uh, came to my mind in the preamble to the Constitution. The founding fathers referred to creating a more perfect union, and interpretations of that uh, include things like it means something like capable of being improved upon as time goes on, the laws, the Constitution, and so forth and so on. And I think that's what we're looking at. And so I, I think it's working. There's bound to be problems. You know, I, I, I started, I, I put in about a half an hour ago or so, I put in a, uh, in my, in my, uh, my search engine, I put a Democrat put uh, Japanese Americans into concentration camps just to see what it came out as. And, uh, you know, and I had forgotten, although I'd, I'd known about this some time back, that Franklin Delano Roosevelt was worshipped like a god by Democrats. And he was a racist. <laughs> so, you know, we, you know, he's gone. I think we're forming a more perfect union as time goes on. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I, I really like what's going on here in America. All right, Mario, thank you. Glad you got your thoughts in play. We go to line two. Good morning. What are you thinking this, today? Good morning, Bill. This is Larry and Vieira. Yeah, Larry. Would you like a little aside to the D. He Howe um, episode? Hey, yeah, make it quick. Okay. Uh, Billy Mitchell in 1924 wrote that he was predicting there would be an attack on Pearl Harbor and Oahu and that some of the planes would be uh, able to land on Niihau. And so he actually sent a small bulldozer over there so that they could make furrows in the field so that the planes couldn't land. Interesting thought. David, you caught up on that? Yeah. it's yeah, And, and keep in mind, the plane didn't successfully land. He crash landed, so. But it was only one of them. Uh, I can't hear David. Uh, I don't know why you can't hear him, but thanks for being here. Let's go to line three. Good morning. You're on Bill McLaughlin. Hey, guys. This is Keith from Palm Bay. Yeah, Keith. Uh, great conversation. Uh, Dave, I agree with everything, you know, especially the looking at history and their context of the culture and times and not mine. But I'd also start using that on my present, too. Because this younger generation, to me, has been taught there is no red line. The, the clerks in the court up there that pass this information, you said they, they would go up to the red line and not pass it. I believe they've been taught there are no red lines. Just do it. If it feels good, just do it. Let's get Dave's response. Keith, thank you. Appreciate it, Dave. Well, isn't that, uh, isn't that the thing from when we were growing up? If it feels good, do it. I mean, uh, it's kind of the attitude. I just, you know, look, there's still lawyers and there are still potential problems with this leak. If it was stolen, you know, like the, uh, the Edward Snowden stuff, then it's a crime. But if it's just a, if it's just a clerk who's working on it, it's, there's no statute against it. And in fact, many Supreme Court decisions have been leaked in the past. It's not that unusual of an occurrence. 
The difference is how this one was handled specifically by both the left and the right. The left is using it as an excuse for excessive violence, while the right is using it as an excuse to try and pressure Justice Roberts not to change votes. So it really depends on your point of view, I guess. Very true. Let's look at a few more of these cases, Dave, that have either been reversed or haven't. Well, but, uh, there's, there's a case Wolf. out of Colorado called Wolf. You'll be familiar yeah. with this because Wolf actually said that you, you, you could use a non-Fourth Amendment search. In other words, you didn't have a warrant and, and you could use the evidence against people. Well, the court later reversed themselves and said, no, that's a bad idea. Um, at one point, the court was just fine with not getting warrants for wiretaps. They had to change that. Uh, getting more into our time. I think we have an issue on that with phones, too, these days yeah. and, and our, our mobile devices. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, a more recent case when capital punishment was declared unconstitutional. And then Greg versus California, it was reversed, saying that, no, it's not unconstitutional. You can execute people. Uh, we're all familiar with Citizens United, which is a case that has you know not been overturned. But the mm-hmm. left would certainly want that one overturned. Uh, Quill versus North Dakota. Remember when Amazon all of a sudden had to start charging sales tax if your state yes. has sales tax? That's a, that's a case that the right hates, but that the left loves because now all of a sudden states can can charge sales tax. So it really comes down to times change and we're changed by the times. And if the court. I think I guess we have to add now technology to that. Yeah, we really do. And. The court sometimes catches up with itself and sometimes doesn't. Sometimes egregious decisions are overturned. Sometimes they're not. But it's a mistake, again, to judge them for making those decisions in the first place. I don't I don't complain about the Taney court making the Dred Scott ruling because the truth is many, if not most, Americans felt that way in the 1850s. Does that make it right by today's standards? No. But does it make it right by those standards just because it's a feeling, right? Well, is it, it a feeling have, or was right. it a belief? I mean, you know, again, I wasn't there. I certainly would have opposed it, but, you know, I would have opposed hoop skirts and bell bottom jeans too. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I didn't have a lot saying that. The name where the bell bottoms were somehow a good idea. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> and then I became a sailor in warm anyway. So the, the exactly. important thing yeah. to learn here is that. The court does reverse itself quite often. It's not unusual, especially when it's bad law. And Roe, whether you think it's about abortion or not, or privacy, it's bad law. So why not? even the darling of the left, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, said so repeatedly. Exactly. So why not put it back in the hands of the legislature or even a constitutional amendment? If you really think that abortion is a protectable right, propose an amendment maybe in a state convention and uh, and get it passed as the law of the land. But and so that'll far. do it for Dave Does History on this edition of Bill McLive. Gatto's Tire and Auto Service made it possible. Dave, always fun. Thank you for all the work. We'll see you next Tuesday, pal. See you then. All right. Dave Bowman, thedavebowmanshow.com. Catch up with him. He's had some great commentary on this stuff, too. Go catch up with it. It's a lot of fun. And I'll see you tomorrow for Wide Open Wednesday. Get ready. I want to know what you're thinking.